Hi, you're listening to my mom, Kat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, my name is Kat Lee, and I want to welcome you to the Inspired to Action podcast. I hope this show is the pep talk that you need as a mom, a reminder that what you do every day is life-changing, and it matters more deeply than you could ever imagine. Out of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of your children because you are special and amazing and he has called you and he will equip you. So thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. I'm excited to be back with you guys. It's been over a month since we have hung out and chatted, and I have a good episode for you today. Today I'm chatting with Amy McCready. She writes at PositiveParentingSolutions.com, and honestly, she's like my parenting Yoda <laughs> because she has so much wisdom. She At parent, PositiveParentingSolutions.com, she has like a whole course, and I don't say that to necessarily promote her course, although I do really like it. But I say that because when somebody has a course or a book or something where they have had to sit down and really distill their thoughts and put things into order and figure out how to teach things, you can just glean so much wisdom from somebody who has put so much effort into that. I know I'm surrounded by amazing moms and amazing women, but I love how Amy has taken the effort and the time to put all, everything that she's learned into something that other people can easily pick up and learn from and glean from and benefit from. So I'm really excited to share Amy with you today. We're talking all about back-to-school routines, which is very appropriate for me because my girls just went back to school today, and my son went back to school last week. So Amy has some fantastic tips on creating morning routines, afternoon routines, and evening routines, and, and how to really get that one-on-one time with our kids, even when they're at school for a lot of the day. But we want to maintain that deep connection that hopefully we have over the summer. And Amy has some fantastic, what she calls tools, that she's going to share with you today that are just honestly so good. And whether your kids are in school or not, there's just some fantastic tips on creating routines and connecting with our kids and how to essentially switch out discipline and correction and nagging for one-on-one time. And I just love uh, what Amy shares on that. And and that particular tidbit was very revolutionary for me. And she shares that towards the end of the podcast. So be sure to stay tuned and listen. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode today with Amy McCready. Hey, Amy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me, Kat. It's such a treat to be with you today and with all of your parents that are listening in. You know, it's funny. We've I don't remember when we first connected, but it's been a long time. And I think this is maybe our second actual live conversation that we've ever had in, <laughs> in the years, I think, that we have we've worked together doing webinars and stuff. So it's fun to chat with you in person. It is. It's so funny how these online friendships develop. Like, I feel like I know you really well after all these years, but you're right. We never actually talk live. So I'm tickled to have the opportunity this morning. I know. And you're, you're, I'm, I'm used to hearing you. You're probably like, oh, so that's what she sounds yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So, um, Amy, will you just tell our listeners a little bit about you and your motherhood story? 
Sure. Well, I am the proud mom of two teenage boys. I have an 18-year-old and a 16-year-old. So we're right in the middle of all of the teenage chaos and fun. And they are just an absolute delight. Um, My motherhood story, I guess, and this may be a story that a lot of moms can relate to. When my kids were younger, I had gone from having, you know, a, a big corporate job with a lot of responsibility and um, you know, very task oriented and I think did my job fairly well, my paid job. And then I became a parent. And when my kids were in their toddler years, I really struggled. And I thought, how can this possibly be so difficult? You know, I'm reasonably intelligent. I'm a loving and kind and nurturing person. And why is this so difficult? I found working um, much easier than raising my children, the people who I love the most in the world. And I had a hard time dealing with typical misbehaviors that popped up. And I found myself yelling a lot. And I didn't, of course, want to yell, but different strategies like timeout and counting one, two, three, and all those things that people tell you to use were not working for us. And I would just lose it. I'm sure a lot of moms can relate to that after a long day, taking care of kids. At the end of the day, your nerves are frazzled and you just lose it. And of course, after that, nobody feels good. And I kind of had a tipping point where I had um, tucked my kids into bed one night and I thought I was getting sick because my throat was raw and scratchy and sore. And the first thing I thought of was, oh, I must be getting a cold. I must be catching something, coming down with the flu or whatever. Well, of course, that was not the reason my throat hurt. It was because I had been yelling so much that day. And my kids were little, and they were not bad kids. They just did the typical stuff that kids do. But I was just not equipped with the skills and the tools to deal with that in a positive way. And so what would happen is, you know, my my gut response would kick in, and I would get angry and frustrated and yell. And So that night when I thought I was getting sick because my throat hurt because I had been yelling so much, that was my night that I decided that I've got to do things differently. And I began studying positive parenting strategies. And once I began to use those strategies with my kids, it was just amazing the difference. You know, kids will never be perfect and parents will never be perfect. But parenting got a lot easier, so much more fun because I finally had the strategies that worked with what they needed emotionally. And, you know, I could still get done what, you know, what had to be done. You know, kids have to be dressed and you have to eat and have to go to bed and all of those things. But we were able to accomplish all of those things without a lot of nagging, reminding and yelling. So teaching other parents those tools has been my life's work and my mission ever since. And you do it so well. We've been uh, doing webinars for a while where I'll introduce you to the Inspired to Action audience and then you'll share. And every single time I'm like, oh, that's just so good and so refreshing and inspiring. And, you know, it makes me think of this is a strange, slightly strange analogy, but sometimes my kids will be doing something on the computer and they'll say, mom, the computer's broken. It doesn't work. (laughs) And I'll say, what seems to be the problem? And then I'll go over there and then I'll just show them the strategy and how to do that thing that they were wanting to do. And I think as moms, a lot of times we think, well, either our kids are broken or we're broken. Mm-hmm. But really, we just need the information and the strategy on how to deal with the situation. Nothing is broken. There's just this learning gap that we have. And I, yeah, yeah. And, and, and obviously for you, that made a huge difference in your parenting. And I've learned so much from you, uh, from those webinars and from your course. 
And it's just made a huge difference. And, and you know, sometimes I'll, I'll go through some of the content in the course and then I'll, you know, not for a while. And then things will get kind of hard with the kids. And then I'll be like, okay, I'm going to listen to something else. And then I listen to it and I employ those strategies. And I'm like, why? Why wasn't I doing that <laughs> all along? And, um, and so, you know, we're about to embark on another school year. And for me, this is actually a really scary school year because for the last 10 years, uh, maybe nine years, all my kids have gone to this nice, cozy little Christian school where I know everyone and all the kids know each other and I know all the teachers. And now my two oldest are going off to public school because it's a big transition year for them. And so I'm going to have three kids at three different campuses. Oh, cat. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even know. And we we are a one-car family because my husband works from home, so it doesn't really make sense for us to have two cars. So even logistically, I'm wondering how exactly this is going to work. And then just to send my kids off from this couple hundred student, you know, preschool or actually Mother's Day out through eighth grade school off to these giant, giant campuses is just a little nerve-wracking. And then add on top of that all the typical challenges of getting your kids ready for school. And, and now I have to deal with, we've always had uniforms. And so now we're going to have to talk about, you know, clothing and picking things out. I'm not sure if that's going to be easier or harder than uniforms, but it's just all <laughs> so different. And you wrote an ebook about how to, you know, survive the back to school. And it's called This Year Will Be Different, A Back to School Survival Guide. What inspired you to write that book? Well, it was really a companion book to uh, my other book, If I Have to Tell You One More Time. And I've just, in working with parents over the years, this time of year is, you know, just there's a lot of anxiety around it for parents because there's always that feeling like this year is going to be different, you know, because we all have the frustration of things getting disorganized and routines not running like they should. And we are just convinced that this year is going to be different. But again, as you talked about with that skill gap, you know, if we don't have the skills or the tools in place, we're going to keep making the same mistakes we've made year after year. And not that there's anything wrong with making mistakes. That's how we all learn. But I like for parents to start out the school year with a great set of tools to work with so they can feel really confident that they're going to have a great morning. Their kids are going to have a great morning. Homework is going to you know, the afternoon homework thing is going to go fairly easily. Bedtime will go well. And then everybody can just be off on a great foot. Mm -hmm. So let's let's dive into the first part of the challenge of getting back to school. And that's mornings, especially the transition from summer mornings to school mornings. What are some things that moms can do that don't sound scary? Because, you know, in their heads, mm -hmm. there's just so many things to do. What are some simple ways for them to get started on the right foot? In the mornings. So the one of the easiest things to do is to look at bedtimes. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times during the summer, bedtime can be all over the board. But now with school coming up, this is a great time to really implement a bedtime. It can be a little bit later than the school bedtime, but it shouldn't be by much. So maybe a half hour. So really get those bedtimes, you know, consistent and, and following through same time on weekdays as weekends because our kids' bodies need the same amount of sleep, whether it's a Tuesday night or a Saturday night. And so start that right away. The other thing that you want to do is start waking them up earlier in the morning because in the summer we all, you know, become sleepyheads a little bit. So start waking them up 
or better yet, have them wake themselves up with an alarm clock. At least get that little piece going. You will be surprised by making that change, both for your kids and for yourself, that it'll things will go more smoothly when school actually starts. The other thing that I recommend is about a week before school starts, sit down with the kids and talk about the morning routine and just kind of make a list of, all right, what are all the things that we have to do in the morning? Well, we have to get dressed and make our beds and comb hair and get the lunchbox ready and the backpack and all of the things, maybe your PE clothes, whatever it is, get all of those things on a list. And then what I like for parents to do is take all of those things and structure the morning routine in a when-then format. And that means when the yucky stuff is done, then we have the more enjoyable parts of the routine. So the yucky stuff is probably the getting dressed, combing hair, making the bed, hanging, you know, putting the pajamas away from the night before, getting the backpack ready. When all of those things are done, then we'll have breakfast. Or when those things are done, then you can have some playtime. Or then we can sit and snuggle and have some stories. But having the kids work with you to create that plan can be really helpful. And then do a couple of dry runs. So four days before school starts, you know, go to bed when you would normally go to bed for school, get up at school time and go through the dry run. And then afterwards, talk about it. What went well? What do we have to change? And then try it again the next night. Because if you have a few of those dry runs under your belt, you know what works and what doesn't. But also, it gets everybody in the mindset, okay, we're getting back on schedule, we know what we're doing, and then when the first day of school comes, it's a much easier transition than if you hadn't done all of that kind of pre-work in the first place. That's so good. You know, I learned that when-then thing from you, and it is just life check. Is that too exaggerating? <laughs> but it seriously <laughs> makes such a huge difference. In your ebook, you have a chart that people can use for their morning tasks, their after-school tasks, mm-hmm. and their evening tasks. And I know for our family, we use an app called ChorePad, and it makes this really refreshing little sound where if once you do your chore, it dings or makes these little star sounds. I don't remember what it is. But every morning, like clockwork, my seven-year-old son gets up and he has two of the items on his morning chart are to have God time and to read out loud for 10 minutes. So he has gotten kind of clever and instead he reads the Bible out loud for 10 minutes. So he's like, and then he presses them (laughs) both at the same time. And he knows that when after he does his morning things, then he can, you know, use his points to play a video game or something. And it has just been so, so helpful because it takes me out of the equation. I'm yes. not nagging him. Oh, did you do your God time? Oh, did you read? He knows that when he's done that, then he can do this other thing that he wants to do. And just applying that to the school year. And, you know, as I was reading your your ebook, another point that you make is, is um, I think you subtitled it getting dressed for success. But just as a mom, being ready when you get your kids up. I'm a morning person and I get up way before my kids and I do a lot of things in the morning, but I'm not always dressed for the morning. And I, I that just really struck me. And I thought that's something that I really need to do because I tend to get my stuff out of the way early. And then by the time they get up, I'm relaxing a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think I need to change that 
and be like, maybe have a few relaxing minutes before I get them up and then turn into focus mode so that they, they can feel focused too, instead of just telling them to go do stuff. So I really liked that bit that you shared in there. Yeah. And I think that does a couple of things, Kat. First, it's, you know, you're ready. So you're feeling good about the day, but it also allows you to sort of take that deep breath and be present with Mm -hmm. your kids because there is nothing worse for kids than when we are, you know, rushing them through the routine. Come on, chop, chop, chop. We have to get breakfast. We have to get this. In the meantime, you're getting dressed at the same time. And it's just chaos. And, And it just doesn't feel good to wake up in that chaos. And then we wonder why kids put the brakes on. You know, they they dig in their heels and fight us through the morning routine. But if you're up and ready and dressed and you know, ready to start the day before your kids even their feet hit the floor, it's just amazing the difference it makes. And you will find that you're able to use your calm voice in the morning. And that's another really important tool is that calm voice, because just by speaking slowly and softly, it just brings the energy down in your house. It just in a good way. It just, it just, it's so peaceful and it starts the day out in a, in a great way for everybody. Well, and I also love how you talked about starting the bedtimes even now and getting them ready for that. And and a smooth morning has so much to do with a smooth evening before or just doing the work the evening before. I know we don't always feel like doing the work the evening before, but when we make lunches the evening before, then we don't have to stress about it in the morning. We can spend time with our kids. And, you know, one way or the other, our kids are going to need lunch. And maybe it's not fun to do at night, but it's also not fun to do in the morning. So you might as well you know, get it done at night so that the mornings can be peaceful with our kids. Um, Well, you know what, Kat, I was going to just mention quickly, there's a great analogy that um, you may know my friend Lori Marrero from The Clutter Diet. Yes. she, She always talks about think of your future self, be your own best friend. So at night, even though you don't want to pack lunches and get pick out the clothes for the next day, Think about your future self and how your future self is going to be so happy in the morning when she wakes up and the lunches are all made and the clothes are picked out. So it's just, it's sort of, you know, it's kind of a funny analogy, but it really works. When I think about that, I think, oh yes, my future self is going to be very happy when I take care of these dishes tonight rather than leaving them until tomorrow morning. I like that. that I I talk about your future self um, occasionally too, but usually I just say my future self is a flake and is unreliable and I need to stop deferring things to her. (laughs) So that's a much more positive spin (laughs) on your future self. So the next for me, actually possibly the most stressful time for me is about the 15-minute period after school when I pick my kids up. And I often say that it's like they all have the emotional stomach flu because (laughs) they get into the minivan and immediately they all, you know, at the same time want to share their stories from the day or their heartaches from the day or they're just tired and they've held it in all day and then they just, you know, they're finally with mom and they're comfortable and they can just kind of let it out. What are some tips that you might have for that after-school period? You know, you pick them up, but then you also then need to get them to do homework and all that sort of stuff. What are some tips you might have for that after-school time? Well, that after-school time is so tough for so many families. And there's not um, sort of a perfect routine for after-school. You're going to kind of have to figure out what works best for your children. But the first piece that I always recommend after-school is if you happen to be home with them 
is what we call mind, body, and soul time. And I know you're familiar with that, cat, but that's spending, you know, maybe just 10 minutes with your kids one-on-one. So family time, of course, is fun and important, but they really need that one-on-one time and attention. They've been away from you all day. They need that heart time, that emotional connection that happens during that one-on-one time. And if you can just sort of help refuel them emotionally by giving them a little bit of one-on-one time, you'll be surprised at how easily the rest of the after-school routine goes. So if you, you know, you have three children, you can kind of stagger that. So you, and it's best to sort of work out a schedule with them. So, you know, you are going to, you know, you'll, we'll do one-on-one time first and then you'll do homework. Maybe the other one starts as homework first and then you do one-on-one time afterwards. But scheduling that time with them after school is super important. The other thing is, again, the when-then format. So when your homework is finished, then you can enjoy your outside time or for families who allow some technology, maybe, you know, then you can have your technology time. But after school, the when then is going to be super important. The other thing that I recommend for homework is to establish your homework policies and particularly around help. So a lot of times kids need help with homework. So as a parent, you would be well served to establish your help hours. So you can say, you know, I will be available to help from four to five o'clock and then from 6.30 to 7.30 or whatever makes sense for your family. Mm -hmm. And so that means that they need to get everything done ahead of time so they can, so you can be available to them during that time. What you don't want to get into is sitting down at the dining room table at 9.30 at night helping with homework. Because I've never done that. (laughs) Yeah, because nobody is at their best. (laughs) The other thing related to help is, um, again, one of your policies is I'm happy to help you with any of your homework as long as you've completed everything that you know how to do on your own. Mm -hmm. And then for the things that you can't figure out, you can explain to me your thought process. Oh, that's good. Right. So, you know, because sometimes kids will play the helpless card. You know, I can't do it. I want you to sit with me. And and parents should not be sitting with their kids at the kitchen table doing their homework. It's the kids' homework. You're there to support, but you're not there problem by problem with them, uh, you know, unless there's a specific learning situation. But, you know, that would be a different story. That's really good. I know when my kids feel overwhelmed, that's when they tend to... Um, you know, kind of melt down a little bit. And I mm-hmm. think that simple question of what's your thought process would really help them because, you know, at the very least, they can explain that. They might not be able to explain what they don't understand or they might not be able to explain the problem, but they can explain what they're thinking and what they're having trouble with. So I like that. That's good. exactly. Um, and the when then thing has also been super helpful after school. My kids know that after school, uh, when they've done, we call it their list, when they've done their homework and practiced their instrument and done their chore then they can, you know, ask for media. And we, we use that chore pad app too, so that they have to use points for it. So in order to, um, they get points for doing, or like when they check off homework or chores or whatever, um, it adds to their points. And so then when they want to use media, they have to 
use points, if that makes any sense. That just mm-hmm. helps alleviate ongoing media so that they know if they want to watch one more show, they have to use their points. And it's amazing what it's done as far as limiting the media in our house. That's um, great. And, and you know, speaking of media, um, for a lot of families, they will say, you know, no TV, no media during the week at all mm. during the school year and only on the weekends. And you know, for families who have a lot of power struggles around media and technology, I definitely recommend going that route. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have power struggles and you can implement a system like you've put in place, that's great, or at least the when then. And the other thing that that you mentioned that I like is you're using that that app or that's that point system. But you can also just use a simple checklist. Mm-hmm. But having something, some physical thing that they can check off, is very empowering for kids, and it also keeps them on task. So whether it's the morning routine, after school, or bedtime, that checklist, especially for younger kids, is really important. And it keeps us as moms from having to keep reminding them and mm-hmm. and, and going through the list. You know, at least I can just say the list, and then they can refer to the list and do it themselves. And, and that's such an important point, Kat, about the, the reminding and nagging in the morning. That is where we get into the power struggles. So I always recommend to parents, make a list of everything that you are reminding your kids about or nagging them about in the morning. And so there are four or five things on that list. That's your when then. So turn that, take those things and turn that into your when then. Basically, you want to go through your morning without giving any direction. Mm-hmm. As long as your kids are three and a half, four years old, they should be able to self-direct themselves through the entire morning routine after school and evening if you've put those when-then routines in place. But the other thing is I don't want parents to feel overwhelmed by this. You know, right. take, take one routine at a time and get that going well and then work on the next one and you know this shouldn't be a big overwhelming task for parents because it really builds on one another once you get your kids mm-hmm. used to a list then you can add other lists to it the after school routine the evening routine what would you recommend for let's just you know fictionally or what's the word i'm looking for uh theoretically say that there was a certain 7-year-old boy who knows <laughs> what he's supposed to do in the morning but he's like Time kind of stands still for him, mm-hmm. and he just moves very slowly through the list in a much slower pace than would be necessary for him to get to school on time and get his sisters to school on time. So how would you help? So he knows what to do, mm-hmm. but the time is a factor. Um, for all those parents out there that might have similar kids, what would you recommend to keep them on track? Yes, and I had one of those theoretical children as well. <laughs> And so we found a couple of things were quite helpful. Um, First, an alarm watch. So you can buy an inexpensive like Timex alarm watch from Target or wherever. And the one that we had had three alarms on it. So the first alarm meant, you know, you need to be down for breakfast. The second one, when it went off, meant, oh, I better get, you know, finish brushing my teeth, final things prepared. And then the next alarm was I better be out in the driveway for pickup. So that is one way. Again, you want to stay out of the nagging business. Mm -hmm. So if you can use other tools that keep them on task, that can be helpful. The other thing that I like is the, um, the timer that comes from a company called timetimer.com. 
I don't have any affiliation with this company. I just think it's a great product. And the reason I like it is because it's a big red dial. Mm. So the kids can see that big red dial. They can see how much time they have left. And you can buy a physical timer for them, or you can get an app and put it on a phone or an iPad or whatever. They have a bunch, and they even have a watch as well. But I think having that external visual thing for them to see is much more empowering for them than you saying, come on, come on, come on, we have to get going, the bus is going to be here, or we have to leave for carpool. Um, And then the other thing is, you know, sort of the next step, Kat, is if they're not ready and you know, the the natural consequence is, well, we're not going to be able to leave for carpool. And so you're going to be late. And when you're late, you're going to have to explain to the teacher why you're late. If your sisters were also late, you'll need to explain to their teachers why they were late. So there's some other sort of natural consequences that you can implement, but we don't want to have to, to take it to that point. It's better to kind of work the work the schedule so we don't get to that point. Right. That's so good. You talked earlier about mind, body, and soul time. And I know that, you know, all of my children have very different personalities. And one of my children is very passionate, which can be a great thing because this child is very successful in things that they attempt. I'm trying to be as general in the way that I speak about them as possible. Um, This child tends to be, you know, do well at things. But it also means that at the end of the school day, they are completely spent because they've Mm -hmm. given all of their energy and passion to getting along with their friends and learning and trying to listen to the teachers and they really need to be invested in. And so you you mentioned mind, body, soul time. I'd love for you to expand on that a little bit and how it can help in so many areas of parenthood. Yeah. So I always tell parents that if they only use one tool from my book, or if parents take one thing from this podcast today, it should be mind, body, and soul time. And I explained a little bit what it was earlier. It's one-on-one time, roughly 10 to 15 minutes of one-on-one time, one parent, one child. And that is important for several reasons. First, all of us are hardwired. It's in our biological makeup. We have that need for emotional connection, that positive attention from people who are important to us. And for children, the people who are most important to them are their parents. And so they need that one-on-one time and attention from us. So it it sort of fills their attention basket. The other thing that it does is during that one-on-one time, they don't have to compete with anybody for your attention. They don't have to compete with their siblings, with your spouse, with your iPhone. They have you all to themselves. And you will find that after you start using Mind, Body, and Soul Time, the sibling rivalry and competition and all of that nonsense diminishes dramatically. The third thing is that you will find when you start using mind, body, and soul time that they become more cooperative in all aspects of your day. So when you ask them to do things, they'll do it without a fuss. The routines go more smoothly. It is almost magical and its effectiveness. But there's just something about that one-on-one time and attention every day when you give it to them, that's what they need at that core emotional level. So their general level of cooperation just increases dramatically. Now, a couple of key points about it. First, mind, body, and soul time really, really does need to be done every day because 
they have that attention basket every single day and they need to have your one-on-one time and attention. I also like for you to label it as something distinct. It's, it's a special time in our day. It's, you know, it's mommy and Sophie time or whatever you call it, but call it something because it sort of checks off that box in their little minds. Yep. Mom spent that one-on-one time with me. Dad spent special time with me. And is this a, if you can sort of make it part of the routine. So I even recommend to parents that they sit down with the kids, figure out where they're going to, where during the day they're going to have mind, body, and soul time. It may be different on Tuesday and Thursday because we have scouts that night or whatever, but you generally know when your mind, body, and soul times are and put it on the refrigerator. So everybody is held accountable to it. I would say without question, like a hundred percent of the families who consistently use mind, body, and soul time, they swear by it because it just makes everything else in their day run so much more smoothly. I love that idea of scheduling it and putting it on the fridge because as parents, we cannot necessarily feel like it. We can just let mm-hmm. the day take control of us, but our kids desperately want it. And I know my kids keep us accountable for anything that we say that we're going to do. And if it's on the refrigerator, they can say, look, mom, you're supposed to spend time with me. And there is honestly no better accountability than to be accountable to your kids. (laughs) Absolutely. And I don't want parents to feel like restricted by that because things are going to come up. Mm -hmm. You're going to have doctor's appointments and a soccer game will get changed and all of those things are going to happen. Life happens. But that's okay. If you have to miss your mind, body, and soul time, you just make sure that you address that up front. And you can say, sweetie, oh, we're going to miss our special time today because of the doctor's appointment. Let's make sure that we do double time tomorrow or on the weekend or let's reschedule. Mm -hmm. So the key here is don't get overly concerned if you have to, if you can't follow it just to the letter of the law. But if you have to miss a mind, body, and soul time, always let your kids know ahead of time so they know that that's important to you. It's just like, I always say it's like a doctor's appointment. You just wouldn't not show up for that or a business meeting. You view mind, body, and soul time like a non-negotiable meeting with your kids. And if you have to miss it, you let them know ahead of time and you always reschedule. So good. So good. And depending on your situation in your home, I know for us, sometimes it's just as simple as every time we run an errand, we take a different kid with us. Mm. And my husband works from home, so that, you know, might be different because I can leave the other kids here. But, you know, when possible, if I have to run an errand, I don't go anywhere by myself. And or even the grocery store. I make a weekly trip to the grocery store and every week a different kid gets to come with. And they think it's fun. And I only have one kid with me. And so I think it's fun. Mm-hmm. And and that can just, you know, be several different ways that you can incorporate that time even when your schedule changes and shifts around. So Yeah. And Kat, let's just talk for a quick minute about, you know, maybe parents who are working and have several children, you know, that thought of mind, body, and soul time can be overwhelming. So one of the things that I always recommend is take the ordinary moments and tweak them so they're more extraordinary. So for example, bedtime, you're probably doing a bedtime routine anyway of some sort. So take that time that you're already spending and call it something special, call it mind, body, and soul time or special time, whatever, and really define it as something special and have it be one-on-one, no other siblings around, no, not your spouse, and just be truly present in mind, body, and soul in that moment. 
And just sort of, it's sort of the rebranding strategy, rebranding that time that you're already spending, making it more special, that makes an emotional impact for the child. And it also leaves you feeling really good too, because when you know that you've put that time in, you've been there fully present in mind, body, and soul, even for just 10 or 15 minutes, it changes your day completely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would even say that if you, if this sounds overwhelming to you, just take one minute every day with each of your child, with your phone mm-hmm. down, look them in the eye and be fully present with them and build up one more minute every week with each child. Just start wherever you can. I would just encourage you to start. And, and I also want to say that when it comes to mornings or after school or spending daily intentional time with my kids, I am so completely and utterly imperfect. And it, so don't feel like as I share these ideas that I do these all of the time or do them perfectly, but they're just simply something to work towards and to attain to and that can truly make a big difference. I often talk about how, you know, there's two kinds of stress, stress, which is EU and then the word stress, and then distress. And distress is, um, or stress would be like training for a marathon and running 26.2 miles. Distress is running 26.2 miles from a bear. And when it comes to parenthood and, and to a lot of things, one way or other, we're going to have stress. Whether we make um, lunches the night before and we embrace you stress and do the hard work choosing to make the lunch, or we're making it at the last minute the morning of, or whether our kids forgot, didn't get a lunch and we're having to pay for it, Somewhere along the way, we're going to have to do all of these different things. And it is so much, there's so much more peace on the other side if we choose to do the hard thing up front rather than let the result, you know, hit us upside the head. And um, the value of just spending this time, even though it can seem overwhelming and can be hard, I encourage you to just take the first step. And, and whether it's just one minute a day with each child, just choosing to be intentional and let, instead of letting, the, the vastness of it feel overwhelming to you. I, I encourage you just to take that first step. Yeah, you know, Kat, and I think the other thing too is I like to think of it as switching out time because most parents will say that they probably spend at least 10 minutes a day fussing at their kids about one thing or another. So it's almost like we're switching out that time. We're going to take that 10 minutes and or five minutes, whatever it happens to be, and be with them intentionally And as I mentioned, they become so much more cooperative in other areas that all of that other fussing and nagging and reminding that we tend to do, that just kind of goes away. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like we're swapping out time rather than adding more burden to our day. Mm -hmm. You know, and just like with my little marathon example, if you actually train for a marathon, you just feel like you accomplished something. You feel so much more peace about it. You're excited about you know, what you've done and how healthy you are. In the same way, just this investment of choosing to spend time with our kids, it has a long-lasting effect on us and on our relationships. And you're right, you then don't have a lot of those issues that would typically come up in a family. So that's so good. Uh, Amy, where can people find you online and how can they get the ebook and your book? Well, there are a couple of places you can find me. Um, our website is Positive Parenting Solutions. Dot com, positiveparentingsolutions.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Positive Parenting Solutions. And my book is called, if I have to tell you one more time, The Revolutionary Program That Gets Your Kids to Listen Without Nagging, Reminding, or Yelling. 
And since it is back to school time, for anybody who purchases the book, um, we're also giving away a free ebook. The um, back to school success this year will be different. So we'd love to give that to anybody who is interested. And to get that, what you can do is email me at info at positiveparentingsolutions.com and we will send you the ebook. And you can just send me a copy of the receipt or a picture of yourself. A lot of parents send me pictures of themselves with the book, which I love because then I get to see what they look like. But uh, just anything to show that you've purchased the book and we'll be happy to send you the ebook. Fantastic. And I will have all that information in the show notes as well. Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for sharing your wisdom. Well, thanks, Kat, for having me. Boy, this time went so quickly, but it's always a pleasure to chat with you. Thanks. I hope you have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I know that there are a million things that you could be doing right now, and I hope that this episode has encouraged you. You know, if you have any questions or suggestions for me, just head over to inspiredtoaction.com and click the contact button to send me an email. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to do whatever I can to get the resources that you need to keep growing as a mom. And if you enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you take a minute to rate it on iTunes. That's going to help more moms to find it and get the encouragement that they need. And as always, you can check out all the show notes for this session at inspiredtoaction.com. And you can also download any of our free ebooks or our free prayer calendars for moms at the blog. Just go to inspiredtoaction.com and click on the resources link. And my name is Kat Lee, and I wish you an incredible day with your family. And remember, you're a mom. You're kind of a big deal. Now go be awesome. It's early in the morning, the house is quiet. But I've set aside this time for you. I bow before the throne of a noble king. And in this place, my heart begins to sing. It's gonna be a good day, a good day filled with His grace, His grace and sweet new mercy.